0: Welcome to The Clean Truth, where we like to call bullshit on the status quo. I'd like to take a second to thank our official, unofficial sponsor, Monster Energy and Rain. Brett Bauer, a regional account manager, was a fan of the show. She started sending us products and has kept us well caffeinated here at CEHQ ever since. Brett, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Clean Eats, and thank you for supporting The Clean Truth. Oh, you came back. And now you want me to tell you what you missed on last week's episode? No chance. Go download it and listen for yourself. As for this week, we had Paul Eric from Black Rifle Coffee Company on to talk coffee. The guys at Black Rifle Coffee are some awesome dudes with amazing initiatives and give back to military and first responders all the time. They're awesome dudes. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And what are you waiting for? Go subscribe so I can stop badgering you about it. All right, well, before we dive into deep here, we gotta do our weekly ball busting. Last week I turned it on to myself with uh Hannah here. I'm gonna do it again. Because yes. I forgot it was fucking St. Patrick's Day. And you're that guy not wearing green. <laughs> I didn't even realize it until we walked in the office and everybody's wearing fucking green and I'm like, I'm in all black with red shoes on and it's St. Patrick's Day. So but I'm not Irish, so I don't give a shit. But <laughs> I like so, it. At it only least it,
1: to be Irish. At yeah. least it's
2: not at uh, me and Scott today. I'm pretty excited about that.
0: It hasn't been me in a while. It's pretty good. Our weekly clean truth this week. This is a good one. Maybe a little rough around the edges. When will COVID restrictions end nationwide, do you think? I've been saying, like, end of May. I mean, it'll all be done. I don't think any states will have a lot of restrictions by the end of May. But hopefully
2: by July 4th, we'll all be able to gather together so if you do what you're supposed to if you do what you're supposed to
1: yeah we get a tiny barbecue right um, I've been all over the country guys during the entire pandemic uh, I've been in all so many different big metropolitan areas if I had to guess I don't think this ends anywhere before August um, in the bigger cities I just you just still see people that are so terrified they're just they're just taking the wrong news sources and they're so scared just today on the airplane there was a family with double double masks and the, the, the splash shield, which I really don't understand, but
0: like you've heard it as the, I mean, the splash shield. Yeah. <laughs> <It's like> you, <laughs> I don't get it. I think we talked about this on one of the uh, episodes a while back. The craziest shit I've seen in an airport since we've been doing this was the lady. She was in Atlanta's airport and she was in a full on biohazard suit and her luggage was wrapped in saran wrap. Full no. on bio, yeah, I swear. Full yeah, Full on biohazard whole nine yards nothing was exposed and her luggage was wrapped with saran wrap super aggressive
1: now now do you think that she follows proper protocols when taking that off who
0: the hell knows i don't i'm doubting how can you you? probably reuses it so
1: yeah like what does she she do when she gets home where does she what does she do when she gets in the car like the whole idea of those bio suits is you don't take it from the room you're in out of the room Right. And then when you get home, like, what, would she get home and strip down in the doorway, stuff it in a plastic bag? What, like, what? what's, I guarantee she doesn't. It makes no sense.
0: 100%. Nice. I don't know, man. All right. <laughs> Guys, today on today's show, we have Paul Eric from Black Rifle Coffee. Thank you, man, for coming on. Thanks for the time. I know you're a busy, busy dude traveling around. You just said what? You just got off the airport for traveling for 12 days?
1: Yeah. I uh, literally, like, 45 minutes ago got off an airplane but I'm stoked to be on. Thank you guys. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this.
0: No, thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm going to warn you, Paul, sometimes on the show we drink bourbon and I have a glass of bourbon and so has Ben sitting in front of me. So <laughs> cheers. Well,
1: <laughs> cheers. I have, I have a cup of tea. So cheers guys. Go.
0: Five o'clock somewhere. So I guess, man, the, the, the purpose of today's show is to talk about black rifle coffee and uh, for, I guess you, if you want to do it, Give us a little history lesson on some coffee, man. I mean, that's the topic is let's talk some coffee. I love coffee. I drink more than my fair share of cup of coffee every – the only one in the room that has me beat is Scott. Scott, Scott drinks coffee every hour it's, on the hour. It's so. like my
1: water. No, that's cool, man. Uh, what is it? 98% water. So that's a good beverage. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah um, coffee, the Black Rifle Coffee Company, Wow. A lot has, a lot has happened here over the last few years. Um, I'm actually sitting in the Salt Lake city office right now, uh, ground zero, if you will, this place is phenomenal. You come in here and there's a lot going on. Um, you know, if you want to talk history of the company, you know, Matt JT and Evan came together in the powerhouse in marketing with what JT and Matt had going on down in El Paso. And Evan came in and they there was some conversations there and Evan had been roasting coffee. Uh, Evan's a total coffee nerd. Um, a lot of people, I, I think, write him off as being a coffee nerd, but he is 100% into the coffee. And yeah, just over the last few years, it's been, it's been a wild ride watching everything kind of from the from the sidelines. Uh, I got pulled into it about, about three years ago full time uh, with Black Rifle, and it's been pretty awesome. Personally, I've been doing coffee and tea um, for almost 10 years. Uh, I've been in the industry for quite a while. Uh, I started with tea and added coffee to a menu at one of my cafes and got really into it. Um, my experience with coffee came in while racing bicycles. It was uh, the magic juice in the morning before you get on the bike. It didn't matter if I was getting up for a training ride at four o'clock in the morning or if I was getting ready to race, there was a cup of coffee in my hand before I ever touched the bicycle. And through that realm, um, you meet a lot of people that race bicycles all over the world and have been exposed to coffee in different areas. and. A couple of those guys that I raced with, um, spent some time over in Italy and France and had some really cool coffee setups back then. This is like 2008, 2009. Um, yeah, 2008, 2009, right around there. Um, that's, that's when I dove into coffee real heavy and, um, got into it professionally around 2011, 2012 personally. Um, I don't know i feel like i'm in pretty good shape i would say i consume a cup of coffee every day at minimum three cups of coffee you know um and i think it's a cool beverage
0: you mentioned cafes were you in the restaurant industry
1: um no i wasn't necessarily in the restaurant industry uh i got into bubble tea you know the tea with the tapioca pearls yep. um yeah i, I opened a, one of i opened my first store probably 2012 if i hadn't nailed out a date it would have been summer 2012 did a, uh, mall store actually, which really difficult space to enter uh, very expensive space to enter. But we, uh, my ex partner and I went all in and, uh, opened a bubble tea store in El Paso, Texas in the mall, Southern park mall between a subway and a Chick-fil-A. So oh. there was some, some hitters <laughs> next to us.
2: A little bit, a little bit of smells coming, talk
1: coming about, your way. Talk about beating on your chest. Oh man. No, I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. It was fun. That was great. great. Yeah. Brought Boba Boba to El Paso. It's funny. I found Boba when I was racing bicycles and, um, at the time I had a car wash that I would use to fund my bicycle racing. And, uh, I got tired of washing cars in the cold and that's what spurred the what's next. And then, uh, I figured I could sell tea and bring this product I found to a new market and, somehow have more time to race bicycles which as you guys know anytime you get into business if you're working 40 hours for somebody else and you go into business you're working 80 hours for yourself minimum and next thing i know the bicycles were just collecting dust but sold sold a lot of tea sold a lot of coffee there you go um yeah so that was fun um that's kind of where i learned the beverage industry was on my own with that uh branched out did some mobile stuff built a custom trailer to serve the tea and coffee then got into juice bars and gyms did that for a while and uh along that same time frame was when matt and jt were spinning up article 15 clothing and that's when i met them for the first time because they started that in my hometown and actually linked up with them through a general aviation friend uh that new pilot x and jt matt and uh ben santiago a couple other guys did a cool video with my friend for one of his businesses and my friend's like gotta meet these guys dude they're your age they're super cool and yeah i remember showing up to jared's house and i mean i grew up with my dad he's a cop he's a career cop 34 years on the department this year and he's still going
2: awesome um, nice.
1: but when i walked into their house for the first time i mean they had some long rifles out and some other cool things out and I hadn't really been immersed in the military side of things yet and i walked in and a bunch of operators i'm just like whoa this is pretty cool like you guys are pretty rad and um yeah you know jared and i hit it off as friends and it's pretty rad to see nice see what's what's happened with this whole thing
0: i think one of the one of the biggest things for me and why i'm such a fan of the of the brand that you guys have built is the initiatives behind it can you, do you mind sharing some of that? Because I mean, that some of that shit is so cool to me. That the way you guys give back and some of the the things that you guys do, the initiatives outside of the brand.
1: Man, that's huge. It's a big, big, big component of the brand. Um, you know, a, a, a portion of the proceeds off all the sales of the coffee bags goes directly to first uh, frontline personnel, if you will, military, LEO, EMS, firefighters, nurses. Even um, we can, as early as COVID popping off in the hospitals you know, we, we saw the the medical grid go get pretty stuck. It got pretty busy, right? And a lot of people were working nonstop. And what we do is we have a campaign called buy a bag, give a bag. So we allow the consumer to vote on that. If you will, um, you get on, you buy a bag of coffee and we pull a bag of coffee and we, we earmarked that for that initiative. So during the height of COVID, we were sending for every bag that we sold, we were sending a bag out, uh, into the country to the hardest hit areas where nurses were going down and doctors were having a hard time. And we were, and it's actually really cool how we did that because social media, if you go back to social media is as nasty as social media has gotten lately and people are giving it a bad name and the reputation it's got it does a lot of good. Um, through social media, we're able to find hospitals and fire fire stations around the country that were in really big need of support. It's like, Hey, you know, get on, nominate a place and tell us, you know, as long as you can get us a contact and an address, we can drop that coffee. So that's what we do. You know, every um, every few months, we'll do a buy a bag, give a bag campaign. And we send coffee overseas to the boys deployed, boys and girls that are deployed out there. Um, but we, you know, five alarm fire, uh, the five alarm coffee is kind of designated the firefighters, right? So there's portions of proceeds that go directly to the fire fire departments out there. And then the, the thin blue line bag, benefits law enforcement officers nationwide and um yeah and not just that too um from a charitable giving approach too we we seek out like-minded organizations that are out there driving awareness on stuff like pts and tbi studies and brain health and getting the guys back on this never-ending war and getting them the support and funding they need to get better and also, uh, more philanthropy too, is like, uh, we're a couple of weeks away from our second annual adaptive veteran athlete shoot where we bring adaptive veterans into the sport of archery, get them outfitted with everything they need to go from the couch to the course, get them professional coaching guys like John Dudley come in and spend some of their time. They volunteer their time to teach these guys how to shoot. And awesome. so the, yeah, the giving back to the community, it's, it's huge. Um, Big reason why I like to be around is man. I, I look at these guys and I say, you know, in my twenties, I was running around trying to open tea stores and sell tea. You guys are running around getting shot at and shooting back and you guys are deploying, you're not seeing your family and everything. And then, um, in, in my experience as a, as an entrepreneur, I, I would sit with other business met people. And a lot of times you'd hear this stuff where they want to stay away from hiring veterans. Like, veterans come with a problem. They're they're a problem employee, or they have a laundry list of medical needs and it's expensive and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, we have that backwards if that's the mindset. Because there's no harder working group than veterans. Like, these dudes love everything. When you get them dialed and you get them on something that they're into, uh, they'll outwork anybody. I've I've seen it time and time again. And so it all goes back to giving back. Um, You come into the office and, most of the employees are veterans, and just so much fun to be around.
0: We see that with our own franchisees. Some of our best franchisees are veterans. Very true. And I think it's just because of the because it you know comes back to SOPs. You know they're so dialed in and following a system and procedure, and you know just kind of ABCD. I mean, they're some of them are very, very good.
1: Very good. Um, Edwin, our uh, Q grader here at, at, at Black Rival Coffee, Edwin Parnell. Love that guy, longtime friend. Um, I first met him somewhere around twenty fourteen when we did uh the Drink and Freedom Fest. I wanna say it was twenty fourteen and we did that in Denver, Colorado. And um I came over with Art fifteen, he came over with Black Rifle Coffee and um the initial introduction was he's a green beret. Give him a task, let him go. And man, you task him out with something and he'd go get it done and be like, What's next? What's next? What's next? I need more, I need more and over the years of working together, you see that, and it's cool to be in this group because I, i'm not I'm not a veteran, I'm not a military guy. Um, in fact i I lack discipline in many ways, but when you're around these guys and you see them and they're so focused and it's mission first, and what does it take to make sure the team's good, what does it take to get the mission done, it rubs off on guys like me um, where you want to just be better. You want to be just like sure. that you you want to excel and uh, it's it's so cool. Veterans are awesome.
2: So how many veterans are employed? um by brcc i couldn't
1: couldn't give an actual number but we're sitting around 55 60 percent of the employees right now are veterans that's awesome Um, yeah and uh again i can't be quoted on the numbers because it it moves pretty quick but i think we hired over 300 people last year Wow. so yep um there's a lot of different arms in the company that are going off right now we've got the the retail development side which the franchise coffee shops are going to start opening up soon. The uh, corporate stores that we're opening up are going to open up soon. Which I'm uh, interested in. Yeah, no, they're, dude, they're super cool, man. I mean, we're taking the fight to the big dogs. And I mean, I think, I think they slept on us and it's too late for them. So.
0: Nice. Well,
1: let's talk about that. I mean, yeah, you, not, that, I, I've seen, me
0: I've seen online and I think I've seen it a couple times, but when I go to look for it, I can't find too much info on it. So, and if you can't, that's fine. I understand that. But the franchise retail locations.
2: Are the, yeah. So those are going to be for veteran owned only, or is that the push behind those or just depends
1: there. There's definitely a big push on that to get veterans involved in the franchises. Um, there's a considerable amount of experience necessary to operate a coffee shop. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, what we've seen with our, our store that we opened down in San Antonio in October is it's busy it's really busy. So when you have a shop that's as busy as what we're looking at, um, you definitely need a team that's experienced. Um, And not to say there's not veterans out there that aren't, aren't experienced, but I'm not read in on the franchisees and the selection of it and everything like that, but there's an actual process to go through you have to you have to do some initial interviews and meetings to make sure that you fit the brand, and then you're not just coming in to try to make a buck off of it, sure. and that you're actually going to represent what the brand is. Um, there's a culture here at Black Rifle Coffee, and we really want to keep that up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, right now we're working on opening one in North Richland Hills, Texas, and another one in Clarksville, Tennessee. Those will open up pretty soon. Um, and, you, and you've seen the, the shop inside of Nine Line out in Savannah, Georgia, I'm sure all over the internet. Matt Lyda does a great job with that one. Um, we've got the the shop down in Bernie, Texas. Um, that one's pretty cool. And and then you've also got the, the store that we opened in October, and that one's in San Antonio on Bitters Road. And um, we do hire a lot of vets for the coffee shops. And also mill spouses too. That's a big thing a lot of people don't take into consideration as well. Good point. Um, but if we can get as many mill spouses in there as we can, then – you know, it's, it's, it's keeping in that ecosystem of taking care of the veterans. So, um, but yeah, if you have any questions about the franchises and stuff, uh, I, I'm loosely read in on them. I don't I don't keep a running tab. Uh, my lane here at the company is uh, events. I do the event marketing. Um, official title: senior manager of events here. And that comes with a laundry list of tasks and duties and overview. Um, basically anything you see in public um, where we're activating at a special event is kind of I'm the, the one that pulls the strings and then gets it done
2: so, nice. t- so talk to us a little bit about that so obviously things shifted a lot during like COVID and everything and you guys probably like you said you did a lot of outreach for places that needed you know assistance and needed you know coffee in the times that people were busy what else did you guys do to pivot and adjust to still show presence and that's something that we talk to you know our people all the time is You know, it's not grassroots marketing and getting out in your community is not completely dead. You just have to find where it fits in in with the current climate. So what did you guys kind of do and what are your thoughts behind what you're still doing right now?
1: Lots of guerrilla marketing efforts last year. You know, just being real surgical with where we went and how we did it. Um, Trying to to run around the country, find different areas with different COVID policies and go around it and the workarounds and keeping everybody safe on the team, keeping the company safe. Um, we did a lot of shipping coffee to people that were doing small events. Um, like, Hey, here's the kit. Here's, here's what you need to display. Here's the coffee, get in front of your people. Um, in a lot of stuff like that is what we did in, in, in 2020. Um, in the beginning of the year in the early days of the early stages of the pandemic kicking off, we have done, um, an initiative down in San Antonio where we, where we, um, we joined forces with a local food truck builder, uh, out there and we, uh. We sent the LMTV on site and they were feeding, I think they were doing 250 to 500 meals a day for first responders. Anybody in uniform could come up and get a hot meal. And we put the truck right there with it and we were handing them our new cans of coffee, the ready to drink, the RTDs, as well as the uh, bags of coffee. And we were serving hot coffee as well. So things like that we did. We did get a going, Um, you know, if, if groups were getting together and they would reach out and, hey, we've got some veterans coming out, we've got some law enforcement, We would send coffee, explain how to brew it, send them the tools and equipment they needed to brew it. We didn't really do a a big manned approach last year just because we didn't, we didn't want to risk the COVID. Um, You know, uh, I personally haven't tested positive for COVID. I've had my brain tickled like probably 10 times now. (laughs) Um, But I know a lot of our guys did get sick and uh, we were doing our best not to put people out there that could possibly get sick. Um, But
2: And then fast forward to today, like you were in Florida. So you guys are kind of attacking places that are opening back up and and are safe to bring your crew in and everything.
1: Yeah. So when you look at what's going on in the country right now, um, there's a lot of places that don't let gatherings happen. They shut them down. They send out the health task forces, whatever. Um, I've been threatened to be fined multiple times in different areas of the country. And it's laughable, um, but there are people taking it very serious. So you have to figure it out. Like you don't want to put the brand in a position where it looks like, we're we don't care and we're not empathetic to what's going on, but we also have to drive awareness on the ground. So when you look at Florida, you know you've got a governor there that's like, hey, we're open for business. You know, Texas. Dude, dude was know, at like, Bike
0: Week last week. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I did do Bike Week, and um, I'll tell you what, the, it's it was interesting. I was at Daytona 500 as well. Daytona 500, not very busy on the ground. Um, bike Week, Daytona was a completely different animal. Uh, driving yeah. that L M T V around with bikes everywhere. I've done Sturgis a few times with that truck. So yeah. comfortable driving the monster truck around the tiny bikes, but, uh, Daytona, it's tiny, it's compressed. Um, and if you, if you were out there on the ground, you'd look around and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know there was a virus other than the, the hand sanitizer everywhere. Going to some places and they scream at you to put a mask on. I got, I got yelled at two days ago, walking into a frozen yogurt shop. I'm like. You don't have to yell. You could, you could, you could be calm about it. It's cool. Um, But Florida is pretty much open for business. We've, we've done quite a few events in Florida this year, some stuff that was filmed for TV and um, you know, there's COVID testing when you get on set and you have to do some protocols. The NHRA is doing a great job on their protocols. You got to get a forehead scan before you can even get into the venue, Um, which I had a thought today while I was boarding an airplane where, Like, man, they they tell you that they're going to block the middle seats. They tell you you're going to be safe, but there's no temperature scanning at the airport. But on these large format events, as they try to bring them on, the government's saying, hey, you have to make sure people aren't coming in with a fever. But that doesn't apply for the airport. It doesn't apply for the big box stores. And you're just kind of like,
0: yeah, I don't don't want to go down that wormhole of hypocrisy (laughs) because the hypocrisy and all of it is just comical. It's so bad i mean we're getting ready to go to austin next week on a business trip we're going down there to see some project management guys that we work with and i don't know what i don't my expectations of this trip i don't really know what to think about it yet because i've heard contradicting things of what they're doing down there you know like texas is wide open they don't have any COVID restrictions anymore but the city of austin is very different you know, it's kind of very liberal in a young hip town and you know i've heard from people that live there even friends outside of business that are like hey man you know they're you're still taking it seriously and you're still going to have to bring a mask and, and you, you might go to places that you have to wear one, which is fine. I mean, if we have to do it, we have to do it, but I don't know. It's going to be different. It's going to be weird kind of being like that in that in between phase where you have to do it some places and you don't have to do it at others. Yeah. It's going to be
1: weird. Um, Austin. I was in Austin with JT and Evan. We went and did a rally school out there with uh Vermont sports car and uh, rally ready. And um, that was, I think end of February, middle of February, right? Probably right around Valentine's Day or something like that. Um, but we went out there and this was before they lifted the the, the ban on that or the mask mandate, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and it was that feel like it depends where you're at. It depends on what restaurant you're going into or what area you're hanging out in. Some people are super serious and they're going to scream at you and make a big fuss about it. And then other places it's Texas. And they're like, yo, this is Texas. Like, we're not afraid of this. We're not scared. We're not gonna. We're not gonna quit living because we might get sick. Like every day, you have that risk. I don't right. think people realize that. Like, there's a lot of people scared. in when you go to Austin, I even though the governor lifted the mask mandate, I still bet you you're gonna find the businesses that are like you have to wear a mask to come in here. And um, I mean, I guess that's the part of a free society that you have to deal with. You know, there's no shirt, no service. Every business, it's a prerogative what they want to do. So we'll just have to you'll have to keep me posted on what happens when you guys are there.
0: Yeah, man. Um, well let's talk some coffee, man. I mean, Yeah, let's get into that co- talk. Coffee is you know, there's a lot to learn. It's kind of like tequila, it's kind of like bourbon. I mean, it's kind of like a couple other cultural things like this. And I was actually thinking about this this morning and don't shoot me, man. Don't pin me against the wall, but we've been staying out at my farm because our house is getting under, it's under remodeling. I drank some Folgers black silk coffee this morning, man. And as I'm black taking. Black silk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm no bougie, right?
1: So Bougie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as I'm, taking, co- as I'm taking, what'd you say?
1: I was going to say, I think they knocked off some of our branding on the bags these days with their new flat black or their flat. They have matte bags now and their flat bottom bags. Oh, jeez. Yeah yeah i'm not gonna go there though so i get in
0: the i get in the cabinet and my wife had just brought it home last night and I, i'm pulling the cap off today and i'm pulling the label back and i'm like i thought about this podcast we're doing i'm like i'm getting ready to do this podcast later this afternoon and here i am i'm cracking open a basic a bottle of uh eight dollar folgers black silk <laughs> coffee so i mean and it, it, it kind of did it kind of it made me think of some questions that i wanted to ask you today so you know a history lesson on coffee and one of my one of my things that I have here to ask is what do these big manufacturers do that is so different from from companies like yours where you can literally taste the difference in the coffee you know what I mean it's just a much it's a cleaner taste it's it's i mean flavors i've had just about all of them and you know i mean a kona blend coffee is probably the best that i personally have ever had and i say that i'm like I'm not going to be a, co- a coffee connoisseur, so to speak, but I've drank a lot of fucking coffee in my 42 years. You're of talking life. like
2: store-bought, like yeah. uh, Costco, right. first here. so like
0: these big coffee manufacturers, it's just mass-produced. But, you know, what is the difference between these guys and coffee beans and, and, the, and a better quality product, I guess, I'm going to assume that I'm going to say that, of what you guys do?
1: Um, one of the big things you have to look at is the green coffee and where you're sourcing it from. Uh, I can only speculate on what they do with the bigger, with those bigger store, with those bigger coffee companies. Um, you know, I've never actually been in one of the big facilities. I've been in some, some relatively large roasting facilities, none of the, none of the, none of the big household names that you see. Um, but I, I, we work with specialty grade coffees. So the gr- the green coffee itself is sourced. It's a high quality coffee bean. Um, you know, if it's under a certain score, we're not going to touch it. And that's just going to help make sure we deliver a really good cup of coffee every time or a coffee bean that's roasted perfectly. And um, we have a Q grader on staff, like I said, Edwin. So he goes through and, you know, he roasts, he's he's certified to grade coffee. Coffee's graded on a number scale. Um, You know, you can pick up Almost 800 different aromas and flavors out of coffee, so it's pretty extensive. And um, to get your Q-grader certificate, it's pretty big. That's not to say these bigger roasting companies don't have that in-house, but um, I I would suspect that as you get to a certain size, and I and I, um, I I say this, you know, we're we're growing obviously, and we're we're getting pretty big in our coffee roasting and what we're capable of doing. But a lot of these major companies they roast to a specific color. And they, you know, they blend the coffee that they get together um, to deliver something that tastes very similar every single time you pop that open. Um, you're not—I don't think you're going to be able to find whole bean coffee in some of these larger formats like Maxwell or Folgers or something like that. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a bag of whole bean Folgers. And, you know, once you grind coffee, you oxidize it and pretty much kill it right away. Uh, there's not a whole lot of shelf life to it. It's gonna—it's gonna taste the same. Um, three months, six months, nine months later, pretty much not going to change it. It's going to get worse as the time goes on, but it's all about keeping oxygen out of there. So again, I can only speculate what they do, but the reason our coffee is so good is it, it we work with specialty grade coffees from cool farms and growers.
0: Nice. Talk about the numbered scale. scales. So that's what I was going to ask you about too. You said it's graded on a numbered scale, the beans and everything.
1: Yeah. So technically specialty grade coffee and man, uh, 86 points generally is what de- de- denotes a specialty grade coffee. You know, 86 points or higher. Gives you a good cup uh, or a good coffee bean to start with. Um, you can take a good coffee bean and destroy it in a roaster if you don't know what you're doing. So, yeah, they they grade it based on the lot where it's grown, the region it's grown, the density of the bean, the color of the bean, the moisture content of the bean. There's, there's multiple things that go into it. And um, it's not really my specialty knowing that anymore. There was a time when I could nerd out really hard on coffee but uh there's only so much bandwidth i have these days so i you don't brush up on those skills you lose them pretty quick but that that being said um specialty is predominantly a small batch type of coffee because the the farmers in the states can only produce so much of this same bean and then you have to you have to get into a mix where single origin means it comes from the same place the same farm uh the same lot of coffee and then you get into other coffees where they're blending different different lots of the same being together so technically not single orders and stuff um, uh, but i don't know if that answers that question per se
0: no yeah a little there, bit. i mean you said you didn't nerd out on it but i mean i think i was impressed i mean we met you at winter strong it's, that's where we made this yeah. connection and i know one of the mornings that i came up to the tent you were doing the the whole pour over demonstration and i had never i mean i've seen people do pour overs i've seen them do the little you know kits you can buy in the store quickie pour over yeah Yeah. but I mean you guys and the setup that you guys have is phenomenal and it just looks cool as hell but you know you sat there and you explained it to me and I I remember thinking as you're doing that I'm sitting there listening to your demonstration and all the intricacies that go into it and I'm like I think it was last year I had had the idea of doing like a clean eats branded coffee not to di- not to get into the coffee space, but it was just something that I wanted on our retail shelves for an ancillary item for our customers that come in and pick up meals and, you know, just to have a bag. But I had no connection to coffee. I didn't know anything about it. And the reason that I didn't do that is because I didn't know any of that shit. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to put our label on something that I didn't have any connection to. It wasn't really, I love coffee. You know, I love to drink it, but I didn't know the first fucking thing about it. So I'm like, I don't want to call up Joe's Coffee online or whatever. I think that actually is the company that I talked to was Joe's Coffee, it was, <laughs> ironically. And they did their whole spiel with me, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's going to look terrible. It might taste terrible. I don't know anything, whether the beans are good quality, bad quality. So I don't know, man. When I, when I met you guys at Winter Strong and you were going through that, I just thought it was fascinating.
1: Yeah, you got to be careful when you get into those white labels or joint venture coffee deals. Because, again, the, you could you could get a coffee that's excellent or you could get a coffee that's really bad. And you get a guy like me that I like to step out of the norm and I like to go after exotic coffees. And I'll try I try multiple roasters all the time. And, you know, there's a lot of dropship options out there. And if you want to expand your coffee palette, it's out there. And, uh, you know, for example, I got into Gesha coffees for a while, which are some really high end coffee beans. And, uh, there, uh, it's just a variety and, um, there's different things that go into it, different phenotypes of plants, if you will, you know, there's different characteristics and how it's grown. And, um, you can get into it where you're paying 80 bucks for, you know, like a hundred gram, tin of coffee, which is going to brew you four batches of coffee. And when you order something like that and you get it and it's disgusting. And this company is putting their name on that. And you're like, man, I'm never going to buy something from them again. Like, right. I feel like I just got robbed. I actually ordered two of the same type but two different processed coffees. And I was like, and if your coffee tastes like rubber. It could very well go back to where the coffee's grown. Um, the roaster can probably pull that flavor out if they pick it up early enough um, in their tasting. But rubber is a hard flavor to get out of coffee if, you, if it's there. And it's not good to drink. You don't want to drink a cup of rubber. Yeah, it but when you look at that, yeah, you got to be careful. Um, a lot of people out there will be real in a big hurry to slap their name on something just to put it on the shelf, and yeah, it's a good thing you didn't go that route. I think
0: one of the one of the biggest fascinations for me, and when you were doing that demonstration, was I had never tasted like a fresh pour over cup of coffee. Yeah, just the you know, difference in that was mind boggling to me
1: so your Chemex or any pour over is a deconstructed drip brewer, right? It's a manually operated brewer. So you get to control the variables. You get to control the temperature of the vessel you're brewing. You get to control the temperature of the water. You get to control the grind of the coffee. You get to control everything. And when you're trying to make the perfect cup of coffee every day, you can, is if you can control all those variables, then you're going to deliver yourself a perfect cup. Um, and and I think the manual brewing, it's, it's cool because it takes just as long as a drip brew, would to say, brew a 12 cup batch of coffee or, or pot of coffee? Um, only you have to think about the process a little bit more than I'm going to open the tub. I'm going to scoop uh, a, a very ambiguous measurement of a scoop. You know, every scoop's a different size into my coffee. And then I'm going to, the more I put in there, the better it's going to be. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. And so you can go down a crazy rabbit hole of how to brew your coffee, but you get into the Chemex or you get into a pour over and you're, you're measuring out the dose of coffee. You're measuring out how much water is hitting it. And then you're timing it on your own and you're introducing the water on your own. And I'm making the movements because I'm going through it in my head right now, but it's, um, it's cool. I call it a morning meditation. You get a Chemex brewer and in the morning, you, you, you know, I, I have a Wi-Fi enabled or Bluetooth enabled kettle. So I, as soon as I wake up, I fill it up at night. So my coffee brewing process starts at night. I fill my kettle in the nighttime. I get up in the morning, I hit my phone and I'm like, all right, I'm checking down stuff. I'll go in, I'll turn it on make sure it's going to be at temperature when I walk downstairs and then pull the scale out, grab the grinder, grab the beans, pour the beans in. You get all of it. You get the smell and something like 85% of the stimulation coming off coffee is olfactory. It's from when you smell it, it starts waking you up. So you grind your coffee fresh, put it in that deck, whatever method you're going to use to brew. And then, the moment the water first hits it too, and you get the bloom, that's when you get the best fragrance and aromas off of it. It's like man, makes you get set up for the day. So um, that that is a really good way to try coffee. If you want to try the coffee as the roaster intended, you do coffee with a pour over. Right. I'm I, very partial to Chemex.
2: So. I got a I got a question for you. So you uh, you asked us a question at Winter Strong, and you're like, "How's everybody brew their coffee?" And obviously, you have a bunch of like guys, guys out there. People were like, uh, you know, dump approach and yeah. the in the, in the pour over, people are like, Keurig. And I was like, oh, shit, that's me, Keurig, half the time. So, and now we're drinking uh, Black Rifle Coffee, Keurig pods. so not a big shot at Keurig. But if you had to go in your reverse order, how would you, what would you say your, if a pour over Chemex was like your favorite way to brew a cup of coffee, I want to hear like reverse order all the way down to like the hotel, like single bag or whatever it might be. Give me your reverse order of brewing coffee.
1: Those frack packs. Uh, so I will never brew a cup of coffee in a hotel coffee brewer. Um, that, that I just, we I can start from the bottom and work our way up if you want to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've, I've put that below the Keurig and oh, then the damn. Keurig would be my least favorite. Um, yeah, you just can't get a good cup out of a Keurig. Not to say it's not you know palatable for people. Um, You get an okay cup if you really, if that, if you're in a hurry and that's your only source, then that's what it is. Like, that's what you, that's what you know. Um, but for me personally, personal taste, Keurig's not a fan at all. I used to be really big into Keurig's when, when Keurig first started popping off, I was like, this is great. I can just hit a button and I get a hot cup of coffee and I get on my bicycle. I can cut my morning time down. No. Um, so Keurig, probably the lowest for me would be Keurig. Um, and then Um, those frack packs in a normal brewer situation, which are the bags that are pre-ground pre bagged that'd probably be the next one. Um, And then from that, I'd probably go to um, instant coffee right after that. Um, And then after instant coffee, um, uh, you know, I was real big on, on the French press for a long time. That's what I used. That's that's, that was the easy button. I could grind coffee in my van and, fire up my generator, heat the water, and uh, have coffee right before I race bicycles. Um, and the French press was the way to go. So then I'd have to say French press. Um, probably for me, espresso would be next. I love a good shot of espresso, um, but of course it takes a pretty decent machine to get a good shot. And then from the espresso, I'd step into an AeroPress. And then from the AeroPress, I'd go to pour over. Probably in that order. Jeez. All right, Where, not not where's bad. The, where's the cold brew on this list? I got to know that. I'm not a big cold brew fan, Um, personally. I I drank a lot of cold brew when cold brew became the rage. Uh, Brewed a lot of it used pretty much every cold brew method there is out there, which it's super simple, really. If you wanna make cold brew, you can just throw a bunch of coffee into a milk jug with water and stick it in the fridge and filter it out when you need it. Um, But I I just, I don't don't really personally go to cold brew very often. Um, If if it's hot out and I wanna hydrate, I'm gonna drink cold water. I don't go to coffee for hydration personally, um, but if you have stomach issues, you can't can, you can't handle the acidity, or you know there's some stuff going on there. Um, cold brew tends to help people out quite a bit with that. Uh,
0: so, so let me let, let me walk you through my morning routine, and then you can be like, bro, you need to you need <laughs> okay. to step it up a little bit, or or yeah, you're doing good. Which maybe I think I fall right in between, but I mean I'm a cuisine art kind of guy. I mean, I have a Cuisine Art coffee pot, and I have my own little bean grinder, and usually I'll buy, you know, the pound-and-a-half, two-pound bags of coffee beans, and that's like my morning routine. I get up every day, put the beans in the grinder, grind it, put it in there, and then here's the difference, though, and I have to ask this. Does it make me a pussy if I'm like a creamer queen? I love creamer. No, not at all. I mean, I... yes (laughs)
1: paul's like wink wink Uh you you get it you get into that all you want man but hey i don't care if i'm drinking a 15 20 year old scotch and i want to put a drop of water in it i don't care what other people are going to think about that personally i'm like look man i'm the one consuming it and if my palate likes it this way that's how i like it if you like your coffee with cream cool if you like it with sugar cool man this you do you um now if you're you, you if you're you know, if you're doing cream with a touch of sugar, then I might look at, or, or cream with a touch of coffee in it, and it's mostly cream. Then it's like, come on, no, you no, 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 you no, know? no.
2: But he yeah. does like like the snickerdoodle, like yeah, special oh release. Come He's on. a sucker. Fan. He's I like, mean, come hey, on. Hey. He's a kid in a candy store come when it comes on. On. to. My wife and
0: I, we are creamer, like bougie. Like we have all the different flavors. I think yesterday she stopped by the grocery store just to get like two or three things that we needed to eat. Four bottles of creamer. We got, the, we got the peppermint mocha. We got the Bailey's Irish cream. We got the, uh, what was it, the caramel macchiato. And then there was one other one. Four creamer bottles on a short little trip to the grocery store. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, the, now how long will those last you? Oh, man, weeks. Like, long okay. time. Like, okay. okay. It, it's not like a one-to-one <laughs> ratio for me. So it's like, okay, but I'll drink. We'll go through a whole pot of coffee every morning before we leave the house.
1: Does that, every cup you pour get cream in it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't start heavy and then taper down to no, 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 sir. <laughs> so it's like,
0: <laughs> and then every every so I had to even wean myself back off of the sweetener. So we use stevia packets. So every cup of coffee, I put a little stevia packet in there and pour the cream in, and then pour my coffee over. It.
2: So the question is, does Don really like coffee? Or does he like sweetened cream? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Caffeinated cream. I mean, Um, it doesn't look like
0: chocolate milk, but it's a little lighter than a black cup of coffee.
1: You'll have to send me a picture so I can judge you real hard. Oh, There we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: fantastic. Uh, um,
1: I'm a big fan of butter coffee in the morning, and I don't like to give it that trademark name. I don't, I don't buy into that name. You're talking Um, like the keto, like like the keto, but yeah, keto, keto coffee, if you will, keto coffee. Yeah. Let's call it that. Um, I love doing a tablespoon of butter, tablespoon of coconut oil. I hit it with a little bit of uh, a cinnamon powder and, uh, I'll even take it a step further and do the cacao powder. I don't know. Everybody pronounces it different. It's cocoa with an A. Um, and I blend that up in a blender and it comes out real frothy and nice. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone down that rabbit hole. Um, But man, if I, I can do one of those in the morning, every morning, uh, there's like 300 grams of, or 300 calories in a cup of that. I forget the breakdown of the fats and everything, but that's good brain fuel in the morning.
2: We have a lot of, we have a lot of people around us that do, uh, like the protein coffee, like put a scoop of protein powder in coffee. And I tried that and I was just like, I just felt like it was just so thick. I was like, this is not coffee to me. This is just like hot
0: protein shake. Listen, man. And, I'm here to tell you. like the
1: hot protein. The yeah.
0: last thing that my belly needs is coffee and protein together? Is a butter stick in my coffee? <laughs> I mean, the the first little sip, and I'm on the toilet. Like I have <laughs> my routine is one cup poop, two cup, three cup poop, and then I'm out the door to go to work.
1: That's the one thing I've noticed is different. When, you know. I I haven't quit coffee permanently. I'm just on a slight little break to see what my body thinks. And uh, that's the one thing my body doesn't like. It's like, man, I was super regular, super regular. Now I don't even know when it's going to hit. I'm like, oh, when is this? When is the shit going to hit? When's it going to go? When's it going to (laughs) go? It's weird. And now I'm going like a day. I'm like, man, I really think I need to lean back on coffee soon because it's not comfortable. I used to dip
0: all day. Now it's only if I'm having a drink or like, in the evenings, if we eat a big meal for dinner, I'll have a dip before I go to bed. But, man, in those mornings when I would have three cups of coffee and a dip before I left for work, boom, it was on. <laughs> you want to get a turd moving, put a dip in your mouth.
1: Back in the bike racing days, that's that's one of those things. I, I knew if I hit my coffee at a certain point, I'd be emptying my, 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 my bowels, you know, 30 minutes to the race time, so I'm the lightest possible weight I can be. Yeah, yeah, that's coffee does help with that that's for damn sure i can can verify mm. um the butter coffee though it takes about a week to grease up you get greased up and then your body's like ah eh, cool we're doing this now cool cool
2: there you go don you
1: i just should, can't get down with that
2: should don do an experiment less cream more butter what do you think i God? think you
0: should uh, i think try it, it Espresso. i think that's i think that's next so espresso mm. actually does the happen like espresso like will give me the shits really and those RTDs, by the way, man, those are fucking stupid good. Yeah, those are awesome. Oh man, it's so like, good. It's I had to so debate good. whether we were going to have bourbon on the show today, or whether whether I was going to drink a, an espresso. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be at espresso at four thirty five o'clock. Is I won't sleep if I do that. Bourbon at least I'll by the time I get home. So I got an
2: I got an espresso machine for Christmas from my mother in law, and I'm just learning like how to use it in the last few months. Give me some pointers on what do I need to be looking at to do with my espresso
1: time, temperature and temp, all three big, big keys for success in espresso. So the time it takes you to grind the coffee and get it over to the machine and to pull the shot is one little, little tile you got. And then you've got the temperature of the water hitting the espresso and the temperature of the portafilter. So you always want to have a hot portafilter. You always want to let that machine heat up that portafilter Um, and then of course the temperature of the beans when they grind. So see, those are the big variables in coffee. You don't want to change the temperature too much. So like a spinny blade grinder is going to heat up your coffee pretty quick. Um, because it's, it's adding so much friction in there. A conical burr grinder is going to crush those coffee beans in a slow RPM. So it's not going to heat them up and you're going to get a real nice fine powder out of a, out of a conical burr that you can't get from a blade grinder. Um, and then yeah, the time that it pulls takes to pull the water through the espresso. What did you call it? I'm sorry. What did you call it? Burr, conical burr grinders. Yeah. I'm burr grinders. Down. You
2: know why you said yeah, that right? Paul, Paul, you know why he said that, right?
1: Does he have a spin grinder? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I figured when you said I spin my co- <laughs> I grind my coffee. I look, man, um the very first time <laughs> that uh, there was coffee brewed in Jared Taylor's house, it was with a spinny grinder. So don't feel bad. You know, we all we all grow. Um the uh the temp. So you gotta put uh thirty five pounds of pressure 35 pounds square inch whatever you want to say 30 35 on it but uh to press that coffee into the portafilter and smash it together and get a nice puck for the water to go through and then when you're brewing your espresso you can you can look at what you're doing if you take the portafilter out and you look at the puck you'll see if there's channels in there where the water's running through and so if know, there's water
2: yeah. sitting on top after you finish did you not pack it enough is that
1: Not necessarily. Uh, Muddy pucks happen, um, and it could be a number of things. The grind could be too fine, so your water's not pulling all the way through. It could be too coarse. Water's not, you know, water's just pulling on it. Actually, if it's too coarse, water's going to run right through it. But um, usually you'll find that the grind grind is too fine. You're not getting enough bars of pressure to push the water all the way through the puck. Um, A really dialed espresso shot's going to, the puck's going to come out looking kind of saturated, but not soggy
2: yeah makes um, sense I yeah, mean I know I yeah. can tell like when it when you like smack it and empty it, does it look proper oh, yeah. or does it look like mush, so yeah, and it doesn't taste as good as, yeah it looks like mush. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> is
1: it compacted or is it mush, yeah yeah,
0: um, <laughs> They wanted to break my balls over cream, and you're sitting here talking about a espresso and do it as my water holes look right,
2: yeah, but like <laughs> he did say that espresso is like higher up on his list of what he prefers it, so. is.
1: it is it is and i don't put cream in my coffee unless it's butter so like that's another thing personally hmm. um but like you
2: again maybe if don got into doing a pour over he might like those flavors because like that one that you gave us at like winter strong there was so much more flavor in that than a standard then even the one that you we had in the uh in the big urns and everything like that like the flavor yeah, was completely really- different
1: we were drinking. Uh, what did I have out there? I think I had Midnight Rider, which was an right. Ethiopian. Uh, was it a Guji? I think it was an Ethiopian Guji coffee, it was which one, is a really it was good a crazy
2: coffee. logo the bag. Yeah, it was the yeah. Midnight, Midnight Rider.
1: Yeah, yeah a squatch on top of flying elk. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, really good. Um, the one we had brewing in the in the vats was uh, it was either JB, which is our core medium roast, or a and then uh, one
2: a was the extra caffeinated the, one.
1: Silencer. You can, yes
0: silencer was one of them that's what i drank every morning
1: i think we cycled through a few yeah. different ones each day um but you you taste the difference too because like a percolated coffee the, the the coffee's brewing and the water that's going right back through the coffee is already percolated coffee right so water sp- sp- uh, spurts out of the top goes through the grinds hits the vat spurts back up so you're constantly reintroducing that coffee that water back and as you add dissolve solids in the coffee to the water, the water is getting harder and there's different temperatures going on. Um, so your percolated coffee, it's good camping coffee. And I, and I think it makes a real full-bodied cup because there's so much sediment that's pulled into that. Whereas your Chemex, the filter system on a Chemex, those filters are great. Um, proprietary filters by Chemex. Um, they pull out a lot of that sediment. So you're getting a real light, medium-bodied cup of coffee that doesn't have a whole lot of sediment in it. And it lets the flavors dance around on your tongue a little bit better. Uh, So you pick up all the notes the roaster intends, whereas you brew in a percolator, you're gonna get more of the traditional coffee notes that you expect. But I bet if you got on a Chemex, you'd probably wean yourself off a cream real quick.
0: Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. That peppermint mocha, baby. (laughs)
1: That's like Christmas every morning. Yeah, use a peppermint uh, get, a, get a get a peppermint candy cane and just stir your black coffee with that if you like the flavor. Mm-hmm. Or um grab the syrups that are flavored which every coffee shop in America uses and you know, get a high grade syrup uh, like I like Monin quite a bit that's a good one. Um you get you get some of those and you could put, you know, a half pump of that into your black coffee if you desire the flavor. I just say with the cream it's so heavy, man. Um I, I don't I don't want to go down the health rabbit hole of cream and stuff in coffee. Cause I don't know anything about it, but if you wanted to just boost your coffee, I would, I would go with a flavored syrup.
0: The other issue that I have is patience. I don't think I have the patience to sit there and do a pour over every day.
2: Yeah, but you wake up I'm early. Just like, Man, you are an early riser.
0: I am, but I just want to, I want to grind my beans, put it in there. And I want a pot of coffee in minutes because I'm going to drink that whole son of a bitch. Like I'm like three cups to my wife's one. Like Evonne'll bitch at me sometimes. She'll be like, "You're drinking all the coffee," and I'm like, "Well, I'm—I mean, big dude, I drink a lot of coffee."
2: So we can get you a Bluetooth kettle. Can we get a Bluetooth yeah, but... grinder?
1: Ah man, I—I I think we can get. I uh, would have to get uh, Tony Stark in on that to find what Iron Man's got going on. Um, I don't know if a Bluetooth grinder exists. But he could set—he um, could
2: set it all up the night before, except for. The grind, pretty much, right?
1: Yeah, you preload at night, you know, just get it ready. Um, Well, after what I've learned on the show today,
0: I used to, thinking I was a badass, I'm like, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to grind these beans tonight, put them in the coffee machine, and then turn the timer on. (laughs) But now that I know what I know now, I ain't doing that no
1: more. I mean, you could do that. You're not going to kill the coffee overnight. I mean, it's still going to be pretty tasty. Now, do you store your beans in the freezer? I do not. do not either. Okay, good. Yeah good the reason you don't want to do that anybody listening is every single time you pull those beans out of the freezer you're introducing moisture into the bag whatever liquid is in there is freezing and then it's thawing and then you're freezing it and thawing it again and by time the fourth time you take it out of the freezer and put it back in you've introduced quite a bit of moisture what's the the rule of thumb
2: on the shelf life like a bag of black rifle that we have like once we open that what's the shelf life and i think uh So the black rifle has like pre-grounded coffee and beans, right? Mm -hmm. So is there a difference in the two like shelf life?
1: Yeah. Your whole beans going to retain that maximum freshness a little bit longer. You're going to get, you know, three to six months of good freshness out of the whole bean. If you don't open the bag, once you open the bag and you introduce oxygen, that's what I mean. Yeah. Really a month, month and a half on whole bean, about two weeks on the ground coffee for optimum flavor. That's not to say it's going to be bad, but for that optimal peak flavor that we're going after once you open the bag about two weeks of time is ticking before you you know you're going to start to taste a, a slight difference i don't think it'll be bad though um I, I consume about two bags of coffee a week when i'm when i'm on coffee so um i don't ever really sit it around long enough to really get into how different it tastes yeah. down the road but but the rule, coffee, rule of thumb yeah yeah i mean it's 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 super stable. Uh, You know, as long as you store it properly, it's a very stable commodity that can stay in the cupboard for as long as you want. Um, It's not going to make you sick or anything like that. You know, it's not, it's not going to go bad. You're just not going to have optimum peak freshness and flavor.
0: I got two questions left. First one, Kona coffee. You Mm -hmm. guys don't do a Kona blend, do you?
1: We did a Kona blend. Um, What was it? Oh man. We did a Kona blend in our ECS a few months ago um it wasn't lava panther that was guatemalan what was the i don't, I don't know i can't believe right ring. now so good
0: but that like so good if i drink a kona a cup of kona coffee that was like my favorite and i can drink that black mm-hmm. with no kramer mm-hmm. that's
1: we had some uh danny bolton's coffee out there that i was brewing up too uh in small batches um he had some Kona Reserve, 100% Kona, which fun thing about Kona coffee is when you really get dive into it and you look at the bags, they'll be like, oh, it's 10% Kona blended with 90% Arabica Colombian mm. or whatever else they want to say. A lot of times they don't even say that the, the origin in those big batch roasting things where they're like Arabica beans, which is okay, cool. So, all right. Um, you don't really know the origin, but Kona, it's one of the least pr- producing coffee growing areas in the world. Very very little bit of coffee comes out of there and that's what drives the price. It's a very exquisite coffee. I think Kona tastes pretty good. Um it's 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 definitely worth the price. Um, it's just you know, for us to get involved in Kona and the amount of coffee we're putting out and stuff, that's a lot of coffee. Sure. So I, I don't know what's in the pipeline. I don't know how much Kona we have coming up, but you that's good taste, man. It's good bean. Hundred percent Kona coffee is phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Southwest Idaho in November on an elk hunting trip. And I'm going to, I got to get one of those jet boils. And I know you guys, you guys do the little packs that go in a jet boil, but how do do I, these guys that are going on this elk hunt, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to be like, you fucking pussy. Like, like, how do I keep the same standard of coffee in the middle of the mountains with a jet boil without cream, without cream? I
1: think, I think the coffee you're going to brew in the mountains will be better than the coffee you're brewing at home. Cause you're in the mountains and you're brewing coffee and shit. Well, so um, man, it's super easy. You get whatever, whatever boiling mechanism you want to use, whether it's a jet boil or an MSR stove, whatever it is um, you know, bottled water, big thing, make sure it's spring water. Always use spring water. If you guys don't want to d- dive into water hardness and softness, but spring water is great. Um, and then uh we offer the instant coffee packs, which is a quick and easy solution. Um, we also have the frack packs. Literally, you pour hot water over a steeping bag for three, four minutes. You have a nice cup of coffee. It is Colombian coffee too, so it's good. But you can, we have collapsible pour over options. So if you really want to get into it, I would recommend you learn pour overs before you're on the mountain. Um, uh, but a French press in the wild, if you could find a plastic one instead of a glass one, so you're not breaking it, um, an AeroPress press in the mountains, are you packing in? Are you driving in? Are you packing in? Oh, well, Yeah. You're hunting. Right. So, um, aeropresses travel really well and you, there's not a whole lot that goes into it. You can pre-grind your coffee at home. I like to pre-grind my coffee. I wish I had an Aeropress. I have one. I have my long range bag. Hang on. Just a second. So, um, if I'm going out pretty cool. Um, so this is this is what i travel with like my suitcase is right there it fits really nice um and in here i mean this is the hunter's dream right here i've got the steeping packs literally yeah. in a tiny bag fits in a backpack really nice um i've got a, a cup of course um i got a bag of coffee in here good old lava panther um and here's the Aeropress, which is an inversion brewer or immersion brewer. So this thing can fit in a backpack real easily. You can take your filters. I got here in a Ziploc and you can stuff those right in here. Now you're going to work with like 16 grams of coffee in this and you can pre dose that at home into a Ziploc baggies and you can stuff, you know, four days worth of coffee into there and it all packs like that. And then all you need is your boiler. And the way this works is you would bring it out to here just like that. Coffee goes in here. There's numbers. So you don't even need a scale in the wild. You take your coffee grinds to there. Then you add your water and you take your water all the way up to here. Lid goes on. Then you press out the air and then you just flip this right up on a cup like that. And then you're brewing. You just give it a minute and 30 seconds and you would slowly press this plunger down and you're dialed.
0: After so, you boil the water?
1: Yep. After you boil the water, you wouldn't boil the water with it in the coffee or the coffee in the water. Yep. I think my AirPods are checking out. Hang on a second. I missed you guys for just a quick second there. AirPods, I traveled today and they didn't charge up, I guess. Right? No, you're good. I was
0: just saying that was pretty slick. That was awesome.
1: But yeah, also in this pack, and this is what I travel with. This goes to me. This is why I say I don't brew hotel coffee because I'm always traveling with a coffee kit. Um, I have the collapsible pour over device. I'm sorry to throw this on your show like this, but this is how yeah. slim it is. Great. This is an entire pour over. So I can construct this.
0: Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like playing cards.
1: And actually, when I was uh, out ice fishing or spearing fish up in South Dakota, I was brewing with one of these multiple times. So this is a collapsible pour over that we offer. That packs really nice. Um, <laughs> it sits on top of the cup. You brew one cup of coffee and that's... Pretty dope right there, if you ask me. But also in these bags, and we, you know, Evan works really hard on designing these bags to be very effective for a coffee connoisseur that wants to travel, but got a hand grinder. So, yep, travel whole bean, travel grinder. This goes everywhere with me, everywhere. Just, heavy for- just
2: depends how much does Don wanna be made fun of the first morning when he pulls that out, and
0: they're like, wow. Listen, man, if I pull anything out other than a jet boil and one of those coffee packs and pour hot water over it, they're going to break my balls over it. But that's okay. I don't care. I mean, yeah. I have my coffee.
1: They will only do it <laughs> up until you guys, up until you guys, until you taste the coffee. And as soon as they taste the coffee, they're like, man, you're you're like, this is legendary coffee. That's right. a
0: good point. Yeah. Well, Paul, man, thank you for the time, dude. This was awesome. I had a yeah, good time. Absolutely.
1: Has it been an hour? Wow, it has. Look at that. Wow. Very cool. Time, yeah.
2: time flies when you're all hyped up, on, not on coffee, just <laughs> talking about coffee.
0: No, man, I appreciate it. And you guys are doing some really cool shit. And, um, I mean, I wanna, I'm wanna, i going to get a hold of you offline about the, the Black Rifle Coffee franchises. I'm really interested in that. And then uh, some other initiative ideas that I've had to kind of pick your brain on for for clean eats and some stuff that we wanted to do. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah, hit me up anytime. And anybody that's yeah. interested... Instagram is Black Rifle Coffee, obviously. Um, personally, Paul E 915. Um, I share a lot of coffee stuff and I'm pretty interactive with people on there. So nice. anytime, anytime you guys want to have a co- coffee conversation or you guys want to have a cup of coffee, just holler.
0: Awesome, Bye. man. Love it. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's take care.
0: Get some rest, man.
1: I'll try. All right.
0: <laughs>